He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now! OG of Jets podcasting and blogging is back. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back. The real me. Let's not, not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton. Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella. And Josh Conrad. Oh, my brother, testify. On Turn on the Jets Digital. Welcome back to There's Always This Year. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. And with me, as always, is Josh Conrad, who you can find on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad. And Travis Milton, who you can find on Twitter at Dash 37 Board 27. This is a very special uh, Turn on the Jets, Play Like a Jet, Digital network, free agency, bonanza, frenzy um, episode. So we are going to get into it in a minute. But first, my God, it's been three months, fellas. So uh, what's what's shaking? First off, Josh, how are the twins? Oh, they're doing what are great. They, what are they doing? What what's the latest thing they're doing? And are you getting any sleep? Yeah. So I think the last time we talked, we had just started sleep training, which has been a revelation, my friends. I'm. They're, they sleep close to 12 hours a night. What does sleep training entail for the uninitiated? Yeah, so this is a process by which you let your kids transition to soothing themselves. And so instead of having to go in every time they cry, um, you progressively, you start with small increments of time, and then you go in and reassure them, and then they cry a little more, and you wait a little bit longer, and so you're progressively teaching them. You're there, but you're not going to come in every two seconds. And so that took a couple of weeks, um, but now 12 hours a night, guys. And so, like, my full evening gets to start at 7 p.m., and they're not up till like, 6.30, 7 a.m. in the morning. So, like, this is glorious. This is, like, a whole new world. <laughs> we never did that. So that's probably why our children are spoiled. But anyway, so mazel tov to you. Thank Good. you. I'm, I'm glad that your, your children have, have been slept trained. Uh, Travis, have you done any sleep training? Um, I mean, I know generally soothing yourself involves bourbon or, or something like that, but you know, how has your, how has your sleep training regimen been over the last couple months? Not great. Um, right now I'm drinking a, a quart cup of uh Chenin Blanc Ooh, nice. <laughs> um, uh, and eating, uh, some pretzel chips with some, uh, pesto, uh, in an empty restaurant, but I just got back from Louisiana. So I'm, I am very sleep deprived. Um, Louisiana, I think everyone, so you, you had to have seen some Mardi Gras. Where were you? I did. I was predominantly in Cajun country around Lafayette and uh, uh, Baton Rouge. Okay. Uh, I spent a little bit of time in New Orleans, but it was post Mardi Gras. Uh, so I didn't do much involving that. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. 
They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The only thing I I know about... (laughs) Mardi Gras is uh, from like from the the Cajun version is like the Treme, like one of the the Annie. She goes out to um, she goes out to like play some some fiddle contest or something, and it's like somebody's chasing around a chicken. Like I, I yeah, and I was wearing a chicken suit. Um, <laughs> one of my friends yes. suggested I do that, so I was tackled multiple times. Um, uh, essentially, you you go around to different farms and you beg for food. And traditionally, if the farms didn't have any food, you would run out and steal their chicken. Uh, so they, okay. you, you, then you would run after the chicken and there were portions where you ran after the chicken and there were portions where I was the chicken and I actually had to run. Uh, there were men with bull whips. Uh, it was, uh, very bizarre, um, uncomfortable at points, but a, you know, I, I, I do a lot with, uh, indigenous foods and, and yeah, heritage cuisines. So right. I wanted to experience this. So it was, uh, it was definitely an experience. Yeah, I the only thing I know about that is that's kind of like a um, a continuation of kind of those old like what do they call it like chiveries or whatever where it's like these. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's got roots in like the the Acadians that that right. came down and settled you know from 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 Canada essentially. Um, so it, it, yeah, definitely like it was it was crazy. Saw a lot of Zydeco concerts. Uh, oh man, a, a whole lot. Nice. Yeah, I mean, well, kind of what you'd expect from me being in Louisiana. <laughs> ate, a, ate a ton of crawfish. Is is there? Are there any pictures of you in the chicken costume? Because I think I'm, I might need that. Might there need are that. a lot. There's one okay. uh, where uh, my friend, who uh, she was having her birthday, decided everyone was going to wear uh, matching leopard print. So I had on. Uh, I was given a shirt from Forever Twenty One, which I oh. thought was ripped, but it was <laughs> kind of a half neck. It. it had a collar. Uh, and I had that on, on underneath the chicken suits, and uh, thought it was a good idea to go to Waffle House wearing that. That was sure. That was that was fun. Um, <laughs> you completely lost me at bull whips and chicken costumes. I thought this was like a <laughs> Stefan. Josh, from- I'm taking you to Louisiana at some point. We're doing this next year. It's road trip. We're gonna. This, we this sounds gonna- like the the hottest club in New York City, Stefan SNL bit. <laughs> I was trying to find Kevin Mawai to like complete the whole thing because I know he lives in Baton Rouge, but I, I, I was I struck out on that. Talking about clubs, uh, some of the Jets are going to be clubbing tonight. Um, this we're taping this on Wednesday, so we are now oh, you know a little two two ish days into into free agency, and there's been 
Um, there's been a lot going on. And so let's, let's just basically say that it sure feels different as a Jets fan right now than it did, let's say, a year ago. Giants were much more, I don't know, let's just say riding high. Things seem to be in a better situation. They go out, they pass on Sam Darnold, they, they take Saquon Barkley, who, hey, he's a great running back, but at the end of the day, he's still a running back. And last night, they trade away their best player, um, Odell Beckham Jr. They still don't have a running back. And, you know, they are in the midst of a rebuild of biblical proportions. So now, so now on the other hand, you've got the Jets where certainly their team is devoid of talent and they are looking to build back. Uh, and so that's some of what we're seeing. But at the same time, there is this overarching sense of it would have been better if we just drafted well and kind of made smart signings in free agency in the past that would lead us up to a situation where we're going to be efficient users of our resources. And so I think that's kind of why basically at 11 o'clock last night, you could feel Jets Twitter starting to burn it all down uh, because, you know, there's no Le'Veon Bell. Um, uh, Anthony Barr has recounted basically nothing happens on day two, which comes after, you know, a pretty good first day. So, so I thought that the best thing to do here would be let's just work through some of the different um, let's say acquisitions or re-signings or you know, uh, just signings that they've made over the last couple of days. And we can talk through each player mostly chron- chronologically and see what we like. So, so the sound th- kind of like my therapist right now. Oh, good. It's oh, like, good. we need to unpack this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So yeah, lay down on the couch, um, put your bullwhip, um, you know, in a cubby and, uh, and, and we'll, and we'll get running. So, so anyway, so, so the first move that the Jets made was re-signing Jonathan Harrison, who played center and guard um, last year. And so I think what I'm going to throw out to, to you, Josh, is when I watched Jonathan Harrison play last year, I thought uh, consummate replacement level player, like not bad, uh, you know, like below, like a below starter, but certainly not Nick Mangold, right? So, so when I saw that, I'm like, okay, obviously they're building a base. So, so when you saw the Jonathan Harrison news, what were your thoughts? Similar, different? Why did we bring this guy back? Or what were you thinking? Yeah, it, it wasn't the the greatest way to open the free agency period. I felt like um, I felt like they were signaling then, and I know we, you know the the three of us have been talking about have been talking about Paradis, the center that ended up going mm-hmm. to Carolina. Um, it, it felt like an, an immediate signal of like. We're not going to go make a move for a center. Um, and then when Paradis's contract came out, and it's relatively cheap, um, and yet they decided to, to re-sign Harrison, I really thought like, oh, no, like this is, this is the McCagnan offseason. We, we, we dreaded for six months during the season, starting off in the way that we surely thought it was going to start off. And so, you know, I know it's been a roller coaster since then, but like certainly – don't feel inspired by his play, nor do I feel inspired by the re-signing. Yeah, I kind of felt like it was in neutral. What about you, Travis? Um, well, you know this, but most people don't, and I'm not going to get into the, the history or the, the, all the details because I, I don't often like talking about them. But while it doesn't make me an expert on it by any means, uh, I have a little bit of, of history at playing pretty well on an offensive line. And it's it's – always something that's the most utmost importance to me so like you know if you see me on twitter 
you know, burning the house down and, and scared. It's because I, I value, especially the center position, probably over about any position outside a quarterback on the field. And, you know, Harrison was, was an upgrade over long at, at yeah. that point. Um, I would even go as far as to say he's an upgrade over Wesley Johnson. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's very problematic. McCagnan has, has never shown any inkling of trying to uh, draft and really develop uh, offensive line talent outside of shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit right now. We've got a, we've got an amazing uh, running back, but you know, who's going to be blocking? Um, you know, there, there's a couple centers on the market that I would be fairly comfortable with as a stopgap, like Ryan Khalil or uh, even uh, John, um, uh, uh, Sullivan uh, from the Rams, uh, both very smart players, both at the tail end. But you know, if we can if we can find some value at the center position late in the draft and get a a smart older stopgap guy that can be uh, a little bit of a, a mentor to some of these uh, guys on the the offensive line, especially you know if we draft a center, I'll, I'll feel a little bit better. But right now, I'm a little bit more in freak out mode than probably most Jets yeah. fans. Well, and, and yeah, and I think that's, that's warranted. And, and my thought was in signing him, he's, he's someone the Jets can get away with. He's a hold the fort kind of player, but um, if they can upgrade him, if they sign someone like Paradis, then right, you just move him to right guard or you know, some other position or make him the backup. Like, I don't care. Um, you know, the money isn't what matters to me. It's having the frontline guys that you're going to be happy uh, you know, are going to keep Sam Darnold upright and, you know, making holes and lanes for, for ho- whoever's running the ball, whether that was Le'Veon Bell or whatever. And so, so I think like I start feeling a little bit better when the Jets trade for Kelechi, uh, I think I'm saying this right, Kelechi Osemele, uh, a guard from the Raiders, obviously uh, fell on some hard times last year, but was a, you know, top player the, the prior two years prece- uh, preceding that. He's certainly around that age 30 threshold where you're going to start to see a player's, uh, you know, abilities diminish and, and, you know, you're going to hit the cliff, but, you know, in, in trading essentially a sixth round pick swap for, uh, of, of theirs and assembly for our fifth round pick, you know, a difference of about 50 picks, like I'm totally okay with that. And so they keep the contract, the money isn't the issue, but you get a guy who's a very athletic um, you know, solid, proven player who can come in has you know has has played with the Ravens, has played with the Raiders, uh, can come in and kind of hold down that left guard spot, and hopefully, you know, depending on what plays out with the draft, if he needs to babysit anybody, you know, a rookie or something like that, you know, he's going to be in a position to do that. Might not put him in his best, you know, he might not have his best year as a result, but he is fully capable of, of holding on how to, holding down that kind of a role. Um, what did you guys think uh, when, when you saw that move? He's strong. He's got really good technique. He's been a little bit injury prone. I know that I think he missed some games last year and the year before. Uh, that's been my only worry with him. He's, he's a definite upgrade over Carpenter. Um, so I, I was very uh, happy with that signing, especially with it coming so early. Um, but I think that set me up for my pessimistic nature right now because I was like, oh, my God, they're actually addressing the offensive line. Holy crap, it's a priority. And then, eh. Right, yeah, it's it's kind of been been quiet since then. Any any thoughts on Assembly? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the injuries, he had like a toe injury. I think he also had like a, 
don't know if it was a knee injury or something else. Yeah. Um, missed a handful of games last year. Um, I, I'm not so worried about the injuries. You know, it's, it's a short-term deal. So, I mean, he's under contract for two years, um, around $10 million per year. And listen, I mean, this is the time. This is what we talked about all during the season. Is going into this off season was the time to take some swings. And so this is a swing. And let's see if if Assembly pans out and can be, you know, a standard bearer on that offensive line um, to protect protect Darnold and now open up holes for Lev Bell. Like I'm excited about that. But you know, at, at worst case, we're talking about a guy that's injured and, and really can't stay on the field. But mm-hmm. isn't that where we were at anyway? So you know, to me, it's worth the. I think they swapped some picks and took on the contract. Not not a, a huge home run swing, but like this is a solid play for a solid player if he's healthy. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. They kind of go for a couple ham and egg positions next or kind of get them in the barn next. You know, Daryl Roberts, the cornerback who, you know, played in relief of Marcus May and Buster Screen some during the course of the season. He looks like he will, you know, he, he is that cornerback. I think Eric Mangini would call him a star defensive back where he can play at the safety spot or he can play at corner, generally the slot spot. Um, and so he, he has some versatility to him. His, his, the ceiling of his play, you know, might not be, uh, you know, the same as, as some of the top corners in the league, but he's certainly, uh, you know, kind of a bulwark player who, who can help help the team and, you know, you know for, for whatever they paid for him, not, not that big of a deal. And then they also bring in kind of interestingly Josh Bellamy, who was a wide receiver with Chicago, had some ties to Adam Gase from his time in Chicago, I believe. Um, but he's essentially a core special teamer. So when I saw those two moves, I thought, okay, good. We're, we're you know, kind of like Jonathan Harrison type thing. Like we're standing pat on guys that we can keep, you know, who, you know, in the case of Roberts, screen is obviously going away. Claiborne's going away. Um, he's going to bring some sort of continuity to this group. Uh, and then Bellamy one was a little bit more, I don't know. I'm not going to say alarming, but like, okay, do we need this person uh, on the team? I mean, maybe it speaks to what they think of a player like, you know, Tyrone peak or someone like that. Um, you know, another core special teamer that they want, they want someone that they can trust and kind of captain that group. But what, I, but obviously having, what it what it also speaks to is the fact that they haven't bring in Andre Roberts back, right? So um, the uh, you know the kick returner, punt returner. So um, so that's still out there. So I'm like, well, what's the deal with what's the deal with him? Are they going to bring back their kick returner? Uh, so you know who who had a you know obviously a Pro Bowl season. So I'm starting to you know my brain's starting to spin a little bit. Any specific thoughts around either of those two guys, Roberts or Bellamy? You know, I'm I'm not that worried about Roberts coming back. Roberts is, uh, I feel like it's kind of an outlier season for him. Yeah. He's had some good seasons in the past. He's he's what 32, 33 years old. Yeah. Um, I know he's no spring chicken. Um, apparently, they're not bringing back Jason Myers um, either, which um, 
you know, I feel like we've had pretty good luck of getting some good seasons out of some throwaway kickers. So that doesn't worry me as much either. Uh, Bellamy, I, I've read a lot about him over the past couple of days since they signed him. Everything that I've read sounds like he's, you know, he's that, that team guy, uh, championship culture, quote unquote, kind of person. I'm really into that. Uh, I, I looked at some of his, uh, tape and he's not a very good pass catcher. Um, <laughs> So it's a little bit of a head scratcher, but, you know, having those guys on the team that, that are role players and are all in on, you know, the, 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 the full goal, you know, I think I've, I've talked, we've all talked about that many times over the past year. Uh, I don't have a problem with, especially for, you know, the amount that they paid for him. And it, and if it, and if he makes, you know, Gase more comfortable, um, even more so, um, I'm, I'm still, not full in on Gase, but I'm in. I'm still on this Gase positivity thing. So if there's something that makes me a little more comfortable with him, it's it's going to be a good thing. You're living your best Adam Gase life. It's, it's I'm living my okayest life, my okayest <laughs> Gase life. Um, Bellamy was. I think he was in Chicago with Adam Gase when Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator. So there must be you know a level of of. I think to your point, Trav. I think some comfortability. Um, obviously, I don't think they. I don't think they had any intention, or still have any intention, to bring Andre Roberts back. And so, you know, having a guy like Bellamy um, that that knows Adam Gase, Adam Gase must think pretty highly of him. Um, to, to, I assume, be in on on this on this signing. Um, it's a kick returner, and so you know, let's hope we get a year like we got out of Andre Roberts. And if we get half of that, you know, we're at least middle of the pack in terms of um, kickoffs and punts, um, getting getting some field position going for the offense. So, talking about wide receivers and pass catchers, things started to uh, heat up a little bit when the Jets then signed. You know, there was obviously a lot of talk around players like, like Cole Beasley, Adam Humphreys, um, and and then Jamison Crowder, who the Jets signed to a three-year $28.5 million deal. Um, I had players ahead of Crowder, but really more for versatility reasons than anything. Um, but in bringing in Crowder, I'm certainly interested uh, to see what he can do to this team and kind of how, uh, you know, how his chess piece helps out some of the other chess pieces on the board. So, um, so Travis, you were talking a little bit about receiving kind of pass catching. What were your thoughts on, on Crowder? Uh you know, when, when you and I went to the, the Redskins training camp, um, I, I didn't pay a ton of attention to uh, the Redskins and their offense. Uh, but he was somebody that I actually did see and actually, like, impressed me a little bit, you know, as, as much as someone in a training camp scrimmage type uh, scenario can. Right. Um and it was mainly because I had never, you know, I, I knew his name. I'd, I'd seen the Madden version of him. Um, I'd, I'd watched him in a couple of games. You know, I don't follow the Redskins that much. But, uh, you know, he's got good speed and good hands. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really – I didn't really have a lot of expectations for the wide receiver market and what we could get out of there. And I, I think I'm pleasantly happy with uh, with him. He's probably one of the more uh, one of one of the signings that made me uh, happy or content or or feel comfortable for a minute. He's almost like a a warming blanket for me. <laughs> um, uh, 
or, or one of those weighted blankets. Weight blankets. Um, yeah, my wife has one yeah. of those. She loves that thing. Um, man. Oh. Mainly, mainly because uh, you know it's just going to help distribute the ball a little bit. You know, I, I know we don't have a, a legit number one, but we do have a, someone who can stretch the field. Somebody, and we've got two players that can play great out of the yeah. slot, and and Anunwa and Crowder, um, and then adding Bell to that mix, I think really, uh, really creates a a a dynamic of of you know a little bit of creative options for Gase uh, in the in the offense. So, you know, I, I thought that that was a really cool signing. Um, it wasn't my first, uh, just like you, it wasn't my first pick, but, you know, I, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. I think I think the signing signals, I think they're going to be sending <clears throat> a Nunwa outside a lot more with Robbie Anderson, really letting Crowder um, work the slot. I mean, he's, he's 25. He's still really young. Uh, he's a year younger than Odell Beckham. And so, like, we're talking about a young guy here. Um, who has on his career um, around 12 yards per catch, which out of the slot is pretty impressive. I mean, you normally see, you know, north of 12 yards as, as, as deep threat guys um, for, their, for their averages. And so the guy gets downfield, um, seems like he's able to create some separation from the slot, which, you know, if there's a need for the Jets, it's really um, just those guys that, that move the chains consistently. And so with Anunwa and with uh, with Crowder, with with Robbie Anderson as a deep threat, I honestly feel really good about that wide receiving core. And if you even go back, if, if you are one of the Kool Aid drinking Adam Gase is going to be a revelation kind of Jets fan, um, go back and look at the last six or seven years of number one wide receivers that have won the Super Bowl. It is a much less <laughs> impressive list than you think. And so, you know, is a crew like this splashy? Of course not. But if they get production and you get production out of wide receivers on relatively cheaper deals instead of going and, and trying to, you know, give Antonio Brown $30 million guaranteed, I'm all for it. If there's actually a position to me that um, you want to skimp and just get production without big names, and I feel like this is what the Jets have been doing the last couple of years anyway, um, these three guys really do excite me. I feel, I feel really good about these three guys as options for, uh, for Darnold as he, as he continues his maturation process. I think you guys have said a lot of stuff I would have said, which which is exactly that. That Crowder he plays out of the slot. I think he he will be a plus player for for Gase and for Darnold in the slot. You're right. Anunua will will stay on the boundary and you know kind of work contested catches along the sideline or kind of dragging across the middle of the field. And then Robbie Anderson, you put him deep because that's what Robbie Anderson does and Robbie Anderson's best at. And then right with Chris Herndon rounding out, you know, the kind of the top four receivers, like you've got a pretty good versatile set of players who, you know, if, if Sam Darnold can go through his reads properly pre-snap and kind of, you know, during drop reads, like he's going to have someone he can get the ball to. Obviously he's young, so it's not going to happen on every play, but I, I love what, Crowder can do and it's clear Adam Gase loves featuring his slot receiver you look at what he did with I mean Albert Wilson probably didn't see that much he only saw 29% of his uh, snaps in 2018 out of the slot uh, but Jarvis Landry who worked with him for a couple of years there in in Miami he saw uh, 56% and 57% in um, in 16 and 17 respectively and and here's the crazy thing um 
you know, you think about what Jermaine Curse was last year, you know, just to give you a, so per target, you, know, you think about how many times they threw at him, how many times he catched or, you know, dropped the ball, uh, you know, and so how many times when they targeted him, did he actually like move, advance the ball forward? So if you, if you crunch those numbers, Jermaine Curse had a 4.2 yards per target, which is yeah. not great. Um, you know, chowder, uh, ch- chowder, Crowder mm, checked in chowder. with, with, uh, <laughs> yeah, delicious, mm, Cajun chowder. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> Gross. Crowder, Crowder had, uh, 7.9 yards. So basically double uh, what we saw out of Jermaine curse last year on a per target basis. You know, that's huge for a young player like Sam Darnold. So I think, you know, his, his, you know, it's, I don't know who the number one receiver is going to be when it's all said and done, but I could certainly see it being Jamison Crowder just based on how Yace distributes the football. Um, but I think that's the thing is you look at that team, there is no superstar to your point, Josh, at the same time, like I think they have uh, respectable players kind of, you know, in four, five different positions between Bell, Herndon, uh, Anderson, Anunua, and now Crowder, like Darnold's going to have, have lots of options. So I think this is, this is a good move uh, for them. And right. They didn't have to pay, you know, a ransom to, to get him. So I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. Um, the next move was kind of an under, under the radar move. Oh, and uh, I think also just to consider Crowder is also a kick returner. I don't know if they will pay him. Uh, they, they will pay him that much money to be a kick returner. Uh, generally when you get that contract, you know, they are going to want to protect you from, uh, from returning the ball and, you know, kind of those violent collisions that you see on kickoffs. So if they need him, if it's a, you know, fourth quarter, they're down four situation with, with five minutes left, left, I certainly could see them using someone like Jameson Crowder, but um, on a deal like that, they might try and protect him from, uh, from special, serious special teams work. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The next deal was Henry Anderson, uh, defensive end for the Jets. Uh, it was kind of surprising that on a three-year deal, he got $25.2 million. I think a lot of fans, they're kind of familiar with his work. But, um, uh, Josh, I mean, I don't know how much did you pay attention to what Henry Anderson did last year. The, you know, the, the, the sense on Anderson was he was this, uh, you know, guy who did all the all the dirty work to to kind of free up Williams uh from from hit from double teams um what was your impression of what you saw from him last year yeah so not necessarily what the New York Post said uh yesterday which was bringing back revelation Henry Anderson you know he's he's doing the dirty work I don't know I'd I'd go with revelation obviously he had a really Mm -hmm. solid year I'm I'm a little bit out on this deal um I think it's a little bit too much money. I know, you know, seven sacks and if, if there's a need for the Jets, we've been talking about it and are obviously going to continue to talk about it here is, is an edge rusher. Um, I'm not sure that this is your, your guy for that. Um, I, you know, I, 
he, he's a good player. I, I, I wonder if, you know, under a Greg Williams, what, what their ideas with, with him will be for a three-year $25 million. They're going to pay him – they're going to put him 30 yards deep as safety. That's actually – yeah, yeah. No, that's – because that's what, that's what safeties make these days, guys. So, right. Yeah, uh, yeah Jamal, Jamal's going to be happy in a couple of years. And I think he's just looking at that safety market and just drooling over the next couple of years. For <laughs> yeah, he should be. Yeah, so you know Henry Anderson, he's he's a fine player. I think I think there's obviously a role um, that he's going to play that maybe is a little bit more of a spotlight role this year. If um, if Greg Williams is you know I, I am hoping is in on this comp at least in the, in the deal if yeah. um, offering him and thinking about how he wants to use him in his scheme. Um, and I know the you know the four three three four switchover. You know it's Greg Williams, and so it doesn't really matter to him. I think he just wants guys around that can do multiple things. And so if Henry Anderson has proven that, which you know he did for us last year. Um, and Greg Williams sees him as valuable. Um, it's a little bit more money than I would have wanted them to spend in that position, but um, you know, a far cry from an overspend if, if that's a if that's a, a term we, we want to throw around. True, true story. Greg Williams, when you ask him about the three four or the four three, um, he 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 basically talks about the three four as lining up your free safety thirty four yards back from the line of scrimmage, and the four Perfect. three you line up your your safety forty three yards back from the line. Of scrimmage. <laughs> so, so just know this is a new terminology. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I just want to make sure you're in the know. Thank uh, you. When we start listening to Greg Williams, you know, do press conferences and stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah, true story. True story. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on Anderson, uh, Travis? No. It's kind of, what you just said is kind of to my point. I mean, yeah. looking looking at who we've targeted defensively uh, in uh, in free agency and who we've gotten, uh, and whatever prior knowledge I had of Greg Williams, I, I I'm not trying to second guess him at all. But I have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> are we are we a three four four three? Are we a, are we a forty seven fifty three? I I don't I don't I have no idea. Uh, based off of you know the the talents of the players that we are, are are targeting and getting, what the hell he has in his mind, and I'm going to you know quietly uh, put my head down and and trust in yeah. in him. Okay. So uh, I have no idea. Uh, I, I, I don't hate the Henry Anderson signing. Yeah, I know, right? You know me. You know, you know me too well. <laughs> um, I don't hate the Henry Anderson signing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with Josh. I think they overpaid. Um, I, th I think we've overpaid pretty much about everyone we've signed, except for one, one, one big one. Um, but uh, you know, now, now's the time to overpay while we have the money, if, if that's what we've got to do to get these people. And and uh, you know, I feel like that's what we have to do. We have not uh, we have not shown that we have a winning culture there outside of Jamal Anderson. So. Uh, it, it, we got to do what we got to do right now and hopefully just, you know, hope for the best. Yay. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. In short, you know, I, I know people are upset about, let's not spend too much time on this, but, but it certainly looked bad when Barr, uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings linebacker, committed or was reported to have committed and then, you know, felt, quote unquote, physically sick over his decision to leave Minnesota um, to, to join the Jets and recanted on that and, and you know, is now going to stay with the, the Vikings. Um, my problem with Barr was he played in a defense for whatever, four years, and 
he came into the league as a potential edge rusher. Um, Mike Zimmer had him for that time and never really used him in that capacity, used him as an off-ball linebacker. So, like, what do we know about this guy that we believe as his second team, we're going to make him the edge rusher he never was, and we're going to pay him whatever it was. I can't remember, 14, 17 million, whatever it was we were going to give him a year to do it. It, it just seemed like a little bit of a, of a stretch. And so, um, so in some ways, I kind of feel like the bar thing dodged a bullet. But to your point, Travis, I do feel like the bar thing only muddied the waters because it's like – what defense is this, right? And, and I think if I was asking the Jets coaching staff, they would say it's largely irrelevant because we're going to pay, we're going to play a, um, like a nickel package or a, excuse me, a, yeah, nickel package most of the time anyway. So like we just want versatile players and we want some edge rushers and like we'll figure it out. Like don't worry too much about like whether it's a 3-4 or 4-3, like whether a guy's hand is up or down or, you know, kind of where, where are they shading? Like we're going to probably play six linemen and linebackers anyway. So, um, so, you know, doesn't matter. Don't, don't I'm a very it. anxious OCD person. And, and I swear like the, we'll figure it out thing is what's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that it's, it's like, no, it's fine. Just, just get a bunch of people. We'll figure it out. We'll just make it happen. Right. Um, yeah. And in some ways I respect that from the coaches, but it also like when it's Greg Williams, if it was, I don't know. I mean, even if it was Wade Phillips or something, I'd be like, um, he's going to figure it out. But like, I just don't, trust Greg Williams at this point I don't trust get Greg Williams uh, from what I've seen in the last five years basically since Bounty Gate like I just don't trust him before that he was kind of right viewed as one of the the, the best defensive minds and since that he's just been kind of grasping at straws uh, on the way down so also hey. one one question oh, yeah. go ahead so th- this is one thing that that the, the bar thing was almost like an ego blow, I felt like, to me as a Jets fan, because I, I may not fo- – I, I, well, I, I honestly don't. I don't follow free agency as well with other teams. But, you know, Antoine with Winfield, Jeff Ota, Barr, I mean, even, even Belichick, how many teams has this happened to on, on a mm-hmm. at least that consistent a basis where, where someone goes, yep, I'm going to go there. No, I don't feel good about that. It, I, I, you're right. I think it could be just vividness bias because we are Jets fans and we remember it, but I certainly can't remember these kind of situations. I feel like there was something who was the defensive player who went from Denver to, uh, to Baltimore. And there was like some weird thing about the agent. Uh, Elvis Dumerville. Yeah. Thank you. Oh yeah. yeah. So like, that's the only other big story like this that I can remember where it's like, there was some weird procedural thing. And I feel like there was something similar with like a quarterback with like Tyrod or something like that a year or two ago, but um, it doesn't happen that much. You're right. And, but at the same time, it it sure seems to happen quite a bit with the jets. Uh, And so, yeah, it certainly isn't good for one's self-esteem for for sure. It just seemed made up to me, guys. Like it, it, it seemed like that was what I, I mean, thought too. It's le- it's the legal tampering period, and so this isn't even actual. You can sign contracts. These are just agreed handshake deals, and so you know to get an offer, um, and then and then it gets published, and then the Vikings go, oh, all right, we'll we'll give you the same thing, and then you know Anthony Barr's agent just will come up with this. We really want to be in Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota now feels probably like 
well, we love this guy. He wanted to come back. He didn't. Re- he never really wanted to go anyway. It just seemed all contrived to me anyway. It does make the Jets look a little bit dumb. And, you know, I don't know who Anthony Barr's agent is, but that guy would be on my on my list if I'm the Jets yeah. to go, you know what, like we just, just, we just, we'll never trust you again. And so, you know, I, it didn't seem to be as big of a stain on the Jets situation as much as it felt like trumped up, or maybe he saw the Mosley signing and felt like, I don't really want to go there if I don't really have a role that's, you know, that's kind of the role I've been playing anyway. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't put too much stock into it. I just thought just, you know, we have bigger fish to fry and, and build a roster. So, and I, think I just feel like we're like the ugly friend that you take with you to the club to make you look hotter. <laughs> I well, feel like that's what we are. Right, <laughs> because yeah. the next two signings we're going to talk right. about, don't make me feel that ugly anymore, boys. Yeah, yeah. She, might, she might only be a seven, but next to me uh, as a four, she looks like a ten. Yeah, I yeah exactly. I feel like that's what, that's what we are as the Jets sometimes, all too often. Isn't that, isn't that, Adam, isn't that how Adam Gase has this job? Yeah, yes. yeah, that that you might have a point there. Uh, you just made me sad. <laughs> Sorry. What's, uh, what's, I think podcast that, again. Oh, I'm gonna but- butcher it, but I know Childish Gambino has a has a line about that, like where he's like, there's something like a New York, a New York six everywhere else is an eight or something like. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. We're a New York six. Is, we're a hard New York six. Is is what I'm learning. So, um, <laughs> anyway, um, so. That then kind of led to the culmination and froth and frenzy of the first night, which was obviously the bar thing, which felt great. But, you know, obviously we've come back off that. But we haven't even talked about C.J. Mosley, guys. Because we're almost 45 minutes into this podcast. We've talked about bullwhips and chicken suits. We've not talked about C.J. Mosley or Le'Veon <laughs> Bell. So we need to get to it, fellas. So, so let's, let's get to it. Give us, let's give the people what they want. Um, C.J. Mosley, they give him a massive five-year, $85 million deal. Uh, I think that equates to about 17 average per year, uh, if uh, if my uh, third third grade math uh, holds. But with that kind of a contract, this is an inside linebacker, and so kind of this is all like, are we a three four? Are we a four three? Like it's all actually kind of coming to fruition in this signing. Um, and I think there's two things that play off it. And and uh, Travis, I want to hear what you have to say first. Um, they paid an inside linebacker $17 million. He's obviously a culture fit. He's obviously a tackle monster. He's huge, um, but there's two things that, that it portends, which is it, he certainly gives that linebacking core an identity that I do not think they had three days ago. Um, at the same time, the part of the identity of the erraticism and kind of up and down nature of this group was tied to a certain player named This Week in Darren Lee. So – what does CJ Mosley and $17 million do to that linebacking room? And what are we to make of this? And how are things going to play out between now and, and the start of the season between Mosley and Lee and Avery Williamson or whoever's going to be in that group? Sorry, I was grabbing a beer. <laughs> That's important. Um, it's not a problem. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, th- I, I really love the signing um, a, a ton. Um, I think Barr would have affected uh, Lee a lot more, um, and I think that the them going after Barr really shows what the the current staff thinks about Lee. Um, you know, I, I, I've gone on at length about that man, um, so I'm not gonna gonna beat a uh, uh, 
dead horse. A, a, a dead horse or a, a linebacker uh, who might be on the way out. Uh, but, you know. Peter doesn't, Peter doesn't listen. I was encouraged by Lee last year. Do what? <laughs> I was saying Peter doesn't listen to this podcast. It's fine. It's fine. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, I, I was encouraged by Lee last year. Um, he played a lot better. Um, I, I don't have a problem with him sticking around. I feel like I should have a problem with him sticking around. But uh, I don't think that, that Mosley being on is going to do uh, anything to push him out. If anything, uh, if he does stick with the Jets, I think it's going to improve him. Um, Mosley's very versatile. Um, you know, I love this signing. I think we overpaid, and I think that we are going to uh, – uh, for lack of a better term, pay for it when, you know, it comes around to Jamal, you know, for paying that much to a inside linebacker. Um, Jamal's going to want that plus, you know, what, what Landon Collins and everybody's getting. So yeah. that's, that's my biggest concern is, is the, the contract ramifications, uh, having him on the team. Fucking love it. Josh, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love CJ Mosley, the player. I don't know if I love CJ Mosley, the signing, if that makes sense. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I agree again, you know, that um, character guys in the room, proven veterans. I mean, he's been to four Pro Bowls in his five seasons. Um, the, the, guy's, the guy's a player. Like, he's, he's a really good linebacker. Um, and so I, I really love that side of it. Uh, what, I, what I don't love is, is maybe um, already potentially moving on from Darren Lee. I'm, I'm not sure if we're ever going to have a need for two incredible um, or, you know, pricey or – you know, high draft pick or high dollar figure inside linebackers. I don't, I don't see that really happening around the league, given the way that the, the league has shifted really into a primarily a passing game. And so, I, you know, whatever they're going to get for Darren Lee, I can't imagine it's going to be much um, if they're going to move on from him at all. Um, I don't necessarily see both of them on this roster. Um, and I don't think you signed an $85 million guy to, to cut him during training camp. And so um, I, I like CJ Mosley. It, it felt a little bit of a, Hey, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get better in this position, but not by leaps and bounds. I think, you know, some of the shortcomings, I've got a good friend who's a Ravens fan um, who said he really has not proven to get out to the quarterback well, or um, has he been very good in coverage? And so if he's a, a run um, stopping linebacker, um, with pretty good speed and, you know, five years into his, um, into his NFL career, he's, he's done well for himself. Um, you know, $85 million for a middle linebacker is seemingly a lot of money for a guy. Yeah. Not $17 million David Harris is what you're saying. Yeah. This isn't yeah. Patrick Willis or, you know, uh, Ray Lewis. Like this is a, he's a, he's a good player. Um, maybe top five at his position, but it's just not a, it'd be like paying a center in the NBA, a stupid amount of money. It's just not where the game is going. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with it, with him, the player. I think it's a great, um, a, a great player to bring in. The, the contract's a little bit bigger than I had hoped. Um, and I'm not sure what, what this really signals about Darren Lee. Well, if anything, I think it might push him to the outside, which I think yeah. might be a better spot for him. Uh, he's quick off That's the possible. ball. Yeah. yeah, it would be interesting to see him in an off-ball spot, right? Kind of where he can kind of float in coverage a little bit. And, um, I mean, maybe you bring him up as a kind of an extra safety or something like that. But I, I think you're I think you're right. There's no reason to, to scrape him off the roster, um, let him play out his, his deal. Uh, but at the same time, right, is it a natural fit? Like, I, I, I don't know. But I, I agree. I'd like to see him kind of in floating a little bit more and see what Lee can, can do as a result of that. 
Um, it also, but your news about the, the NBA moving away from, from centers is bad for me because I have a nine foot Nepalese guy that I've got, uh, I've got contract international contractual rights to. So, um, so you're definitely nine foot. bad. Yeah. Nine footer. <laughs> That's a tall guy. Hey, uh, I, as we filmed this podcast, Jason Myers signed a four year, $16 million contract with the Seahawks. Oh, Enjoy man. a $4 million kicker guys. Wow. So he literally went back to the Seahawks. Yeah, for four million dollars per year. Wow! Enjoy. Yeah, good I'm for him. Let's not get your money, but I'm glad we're not paying him. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's and they can't keep Earl Thomas. <laughs> uh, apparently not. <laughs> what the hell? Well, they also kind of ruined Earl Thomas, so I'm pretty yeah, sure they did. Yeah, that, that big old fu. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty. That was pretty rough the way they 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 rode him last year. So. Um, so anyway, but yes, good, good for you, Myers. Good for you. Um, so, so I, I agree. It's an interesting play. I just, and, and while he was a great player, uh, I certainly think he's going to bring a lot culturally and right from a tackles kind of defending the run position. And, and that might allow the jets to get more into kind of some of the other stuff. We do need to speed up a little bit just for time. I'm sorry, but this has been, this has been awesome, but we, we have to talk about a Le'Veon Bell. And then we have to talk about what's next. So, Le'Veon Bell drops his um, his what was it? Let it ride or gambling? Mixtape. Mixtape. a gamble. Thank you. Sorry, yeah. God, I I listened to it twice and uh, and it's already it's so forgettable I can't even remember it. Um, so anyway, so uh, Bell Bell drops his mixtape at midnight and he drops the fact that he is a New York Jet. Um, it sounds like the deal might have gotten done sometime on Wednesday. So you know if the Jets are talking to Matt Paradis, one has to imagine they're saying, hey, we're feeling pretty confident about getting Lev Bell. Um, you know, while they couldn't certainly guarantee it, um, it, it shouldn't have been a point of contention for why Paradis signed with New York versus signed other places. It might have been about other other issues, money, that sort of thing, um, guarantees, whatever. Um, so Le'Veon Bell signs his contract, uh, is now a New York Jet, obviously is a major chess piece for, for what the team is doing. You put him and Jamison Crowder, it really sets up the board for, for Sam Darnold. Um, you know, Bell obviously is – here's what I'll say about Bell. He's a prolific talent. He's a great satellite back. He's a three-down back. I love the fact that they went and, and got him because I just personally from watching what Adam Gase has done with running backs over the last couple of years, I don't trust him to know what a, what a good three down back is and how to use him and how to keep him engaged on his team. So, so like in, in terms of like sourcing talent, like Lev Bell basically cuts all that out. So the fact they don't have to, worry about running backs in the draft other than, you know, I don't know, maybe depth or, or special teams, but with McGuire and, um, and Cannon are in the team, they really don't have to do anything there at the draft and it's a down year for the draft anyway. So I love the fact that what he puts up, but to your point, the offensive line is still not great. So the prolific production, which we saw from him in Pittsburgh prior to Juju Smith Schuster's emergence, um, leads me to think that like you cannot expect him to put up the video game numbers he has in years past, but from a functional perspective, he's going to be you know, a major piece of, of this offense. What, what do you think, Travis? 
Uh, well, to counterpoint you a little bit on Gase, one of the few things that I have been impressed on is what he has been able to get out of people yeah. like Kenyon Drake. Um, um, that's fair. So I am actually a little bit uh, – that's, the, you know – You realize what he's um, done and who he's identified and how he's utilized them more. Exactly, especially with, with you know, Ryan Tannehill. You know, you, he had a lot of issues at quarterback, and uh, that might be the only apologistic yeah. Adam Gase take I'm ever going to have. Um, and Yeah, because, I guess I'm thinking about Damian Williams, and I'm probably focusing exactly. on Damian Williams and letting him go. And he, you know, obviously went to the Chiefs and has done great, but – uh, but anyway, but I, I, you, you make a good point, right? With with Drake, that is a fair point. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, you you guys know better than anybody. Like at, at most, the the best you're ever going to get out of me is cautiously optimistic. Um, even with Bell, you know, I've got some reservations. Um, we haven't seen him play in a year. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I've heard this. I've heard that. Good shape. Sixty pounds overweight. Whatever. Um, then again, you know, I I harp on the offensive line. Um, you know, I've got some reservations about it, but all in all, uh, my want for this offseason was surrounding Sam Darnold with protection and weapons. So I, I have no qualms or complaints. We've got the weapons. Um, we've I, got I'm part of the protection, right? We've got we've got a um, uh, well, kind of like that um, that Forever Twenty One shirt you're wearing. It's like if you know if you if you consider his offensive line a bulletproof vest, like you've got a you know a um, you know, a, a, tw- a teen or a tween sized uh, leopard print shirt that you're. That was a very circuitous. Yeah, that was not. That was not. <laughs> easy. That was very. Good. Pick up a lot, yeah, lot of setup. A lot of setup. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, my stand up comedy uh, background was was not thrilled with that. <laughs> well, well um, oh my God, we need to talk about that sometime. Anyway. Oh Lord, yeah, not not today. Not today. Anyway, so. Um, so yeah, so obviously they they've got him to the weapons. We're worried about the protection. Josh, what are your thoughts on Bell? How does how how much does he help this team in terms of wins and you know kind of where it matters? Yeah, if 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 nothing else, like to me the the baseline addition, um, you know, provided he's healthy and in, and in playing shape, is he gives Sam Darnold um, options, and so he he gives. He gives the offense a second dimension that, you know, last year I don't know how serious people were taking Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell out of the backfield. I don't think even Eli McGuire was sending fear into defenses. But if Lev Bell is in good shape, he's a top five running back in this league. Like, there's no question about that. He's, he's an upgrade over, um, you know, 90% of teams running backs. And so uh, I, I feel great about it. I, I, I went to dive and dissect through the contract numbers um, – just to kind of get a sense of, of what they're actually on the hook for. It's around 30 million, um, you know, over the first two years, it, it'd be hard to see them cutting in after the first year and eating a bunch of dead salary cap money. But um, to me, I, I felt really good about this signing um, from the moment it came out. I feel like this gives Sam Darnold a guy um, that's just proven and a guy that's going to be obviously invested in Sam Darnold's maturation process. Same thing with Crowder. I feel like these guys coming in, are invested in Sam Darnold getting better. And so, you know, if the front office is, is signaling like now is the time to do this, um, short of, you know, giving up pretty decent picks for a guy like Odell Beckham um, or Antonio Brown, this felt to me like a very great move. It felt like a reasonable amount of money for a top five running back in the league who's making top five money now. But um, I, I love it. I, I see – 
I see the potential downside, but the danger here um, is that Lev Bell isn't out to prove something. And I think he's, he's the first guy we've seen reject the franchise tag and sit out an entire season. To me, there's no bigger motivation for him than to prove the rest of the league that this was a wise move to reset the running back market. Um, and so I think all the motivation is there for him. Um, and he's going to be invested in Darnold's maturation process. So to me, it's a home run. I feel, I feel great about having him on our roster. Um, the, the, the ability he gives us to throw the ball to a running back who's going to catch it and make positive yards is going to be an improvement over everything we've seen over the last even four or five years. I feel great. Yeah, and I think I think we should, right? And so so this kind of comes to what's left. And I think the big thing, the big three, we'll go through them position by position and um, in order of importance to to Travis. Uh, <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for my sanity. Offensive guard, <laughs> offensive guard two, and yeah. offensive guard strength and conditioning. I'm even going to leave OG out of this. Like like, yeah. like if we can just focus on center. Yeah, can we? Yeah, is uh, sixth. Sixth, uh, sixth lineman is is his third most important player. So, um, yeah. Sure. But so, so yeah, obviously, exactly traditionally, right. we'll we'll just call it offensive line. We'll call it quarter cornerback, excuse me, and and edge. So those are the big three. And so, just thinking about what the Jets have left to them, the, the biggest problem, I think, the biggest concern, and why fans are probably a little bit cranky, is that a lot of the guys, the right tackles and such, like they went off the board yesterday, and so there's just not a ton of players left. And you know, by the time we air this podcast, I'll you know I'll edit it up as as quickly as I can tonight and ship it off, and hopefully it'll be be in people's feeds tomorrow. Thursday, um, more players will be gone. But but at the regardless, like you know, there are there are needs that they have, and the things left to them are whoever's still in free agency. Maybe some guys get cut between now and training camp, um, but you can't really count on that. And then uh, and then lastly, of course, the draft. Right. So at the third pick, we're not going to get into all the mechanics and you know game theory of what could happen. But suffice it to say, they could take assuming. Assuming a quarterback goes ahead of them, they can take whoever falls to them, Josh Allen or Joey Bosa. Um, so they could get that edge player uh, that they've, you know, thought they had with Barr, but now necessarily don't don't necessarily have. Might not be that they they don't need it. I mean, I think we, all Jets fans agreed. Yes, we need an edge rusher, um, but. Uh, but they also, if they do move back for a team like the Giants, who's trying to move up, they could easily then not have to reach to take an offensive tackle. They could have their next DeBrickashaw Ferguson type player, um, you know, over the next 10 years, 10 plus years. Um, and if they pick up a second round pick as a result of moving back with a team like the Giants, they might be able to get, you know, they might be able to get through the first three rounds and have, you know, two to three more offensive linemen and an edge rusher, or, you know, let's say two offensive linemen and a corner and a, and a, um, and an edge. So, so, so my point here is there's a number of things left. We certainly have to, with money in the bank, burning a hole in our pocket, we've got to get some guys. So looking out to the market, looking at, you know, who Rotor world has reported as, as free, like who, who are you guys interested in on off on the offensive line of who's left? Who do you like Travis? Um, you know, I've, 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 again, I've really been focused on that center position, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I, everything is pretty much a recycle project at this point. Everybody's old. Uh, you know, John Sullivan is, is a really, really smart center. Um, he's really good at pulling, but in pass protection, if, if I remember right, he was last in the league last year. Um, mm-hmm. That worries me, but, you know, if we, if we can stop gap for a year – 
with someone like him or, or Ryan Khalil, who again is, is definitely over the hill, uh, but still has the smarts may not have the, the, uh, the tangible uh, physical points needed at this point. Um, you know, hopefully we can, we can uh, piecemeal that a little bit with the, the, uh, the tackles. Um, I, I see a lot of this playing out a lot like the 06, 07, 08 seasons. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll get a, a older center um, kind of similar to like bringing in Pete Kendall um, to kind of shepherd some of the younger guys, hopefully draft some younger guys and, uh, and, and push them through. Uh, I think both those guys are pretty, uh, I don't know that they're versatile because they both played center their entire times, but I, I think that, that those would be my druthers right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would rather someone smart than someone uh, that's, you know, raw, not necessarily physically talent, capable. Not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would rather, I would rather a smart center that's been there and done it like Sullivan or Khalil than, than plugging Harrison in there and, and hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, and drafting, uh, that, that's my biggest thing. Like I'm really hoping that we trade back. I know that everyone's going to freaking take a shit on me for that. Cause no, I just I would love it if we traded back. I'm with, you, um, I, w- I want to trade back. Um, I would love Quinnen Williams. That's someone you didn't mention. Um, I, I think that, that if we could put Quinnen and Lee on the outside, uh, Jordan Jenkins has never excited me a ton. Um, I think that that would open things up for Lee. Again, I'm, I'm, I've become a fucking Darren Lee apologist. God, where, who am I now? I'm rooting for him to be on the team. What happened to me? Travis, I just I can't do another first-round defensive lineman. I just I physically can't do it. It's like... It's no, like, I I don't disagree, but I'm going with Josh. I mean, Josh says it's going to happen. I mean, uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> but no, like I, I would I would rather I would rather trade back. Obviously, like I want I want some offensive linemen. I want to trade back, and I want to invest the first couple picks in getting some quality offensive linemen. I, I wanted the same thing, you know, I, the past couple of years. Um, and some of those guys, uh, the the center from uh, uh, Minnesota, I can't remember his name. Uh, he was from Ohio State. He was, uh, mm. you know, I wanted that guy even over Darnold. Um, wow. So, yeah, you know, I know. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm an O line guy to the to the freaking. Oh, fall. he ended up on the Colts, right? Did the Colts draft him? No, no, no. Maybe it was the year before, but uh, he got drafted. He's the he's the center. He's the starting center for Minnesota, and everyone everyone was talking about him. Oh. You know, he's not that great, but he's the best center that's in the, the draft. I can't remember his name. Yeah, that's uh, insane when that happens. Oh, Pat Eflin? Pat Eflin, yeah. Like Elflin. Oh Elflin, yeah. Yeah, I was a huge proponent of Elflin, and I was like, he, he had all the tools, and everyone was like, no, he's he's kind of the best of a bunch of crap. And now, like, Simmer down with a high high draft pick, though. Hey, simmer down. Simmer down. Hey, calm down. Like, that's why you need me. You can be director of college scouting. I'll be the GM, and I'll be like, I appreciate your enthusiasm, Travis, but uh, why don't you take a couple plays off? Go hey, where, where, did, where did Mangold and Britt go? Uh, they went in the first round. They did, but yeah, not exactly. A, but Mangled went in the end of the first round, not the beginning. Anyway, all right, Josh, what do you so, got for us? Who you got on the offensive line? We're going to turn off the offensive line orgy conversation for a moment and just say, <laughs> you know, if if there are making me sad again, that, Josh, you're making me sad. I know. Go open another bottle of Pappy. You'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> here's if if we have two positions, right? And and I think we're looking at aged players at this point. Yeah. I just went – just as you were talking, I, I kind of spaced out for a minute. I went to look up J- Justin Houston's current um, 
age, numbers, all these things. He realized in 12 games last year, he still had nine sacks. Like, this isn't a guy that's, like, pulling up into Shady Acres this weekend. Like, he is ready to roll. Um, I I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to end up – he's going to end up in Foxborough is my bet. I think Mm. he's going to sign the league minimum veteran deal and just go be another Belichick. Like, we're all going to scratch our heads and – punch a hole through a wall that Justin Houston ended up um, with the Patriots will have 15 sacks next year. But if he's a guy, if they want to go off for a contract too, um, I'd be crazy. They'd be crazy not to think about Justin Houston. Um, you know, some of the other guys that are out there as edge guys don't really excite me as much, but you know, there's still um, some decent corners out there and, you know, we're not talking top line guys, but um, even a guy just like Bryce Callahan um, who's available still, um, who's got to be an improvement over most of the court. I mean, he's certainly an improvement over Buster's screen. And so I feel I like, like a guy, yeah, I, between the three of us, we have a better, op, we have a better um, uh, likelihood of, of taking down a, a wide receiver than Buster. So, you know, someone like that would not be a huge sexy signing, but mm-hmm. it just brings a little bit of stability to that group of players on defense as well. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the opposite. I, I don't, I don't know that we're going to trade down and get value. I don't think that anybody's trading up to get Quinn and Williams, even, even though, you know, he's, he's projected to be a very great defensive player. My hope is Bosa falls, and, and we just take Bosa at three. But um, if Quentin Williams is there, I think you just take him. And I know it's not the huge exciting thing to draft another defensive lineman. I'm, I'm actually okay with it because, man, if you look at that defense now with a maniac like Greg Williams running it, we could be talking about an all-time defense in the next year or two. Um, it's just an incredible crop of guys that they can figure out corner um, maybe even next off season or going into this season still. So, you know, with what they've done on offense and what they're doing on defense with the, the projection of Quinn and Williams joining them, um, I am optimistically optimistic, not even cautiously anymore. I'm feeling pretty good about coming into the season. Now check back with me in November when we're, you know, three <laughs> and seven. Um, but at this point I'm, I'm actually feeling like, this could be shaping up into a really good team. Um, and now we got to see if Adam Gase can, can actually do something with it. Yeah. Were you I mean, attempting a Golden Girls reference with the Shady Acres? Perhaps. Perhaps. I, Shady Acres was happy. Shady Gilmore, Pines. Uh, yes, Shady Pines and Golden Girls. What's, what's Shady Acres? Where's that? That's uh, Shady Acres was the where Happy Gilmore's grandmother was living. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Now, you I would just want to make sure. Sh- I wasn't sure. Bro, put you and, in. Root and, and Estelle Getty in the sheets. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay. oh, gross. Yeah. Here, here's, here's my guys. Basically, I think Ronald Darby is still out there. The, uh, like, yes. I think he's like he is. walking dead from, um, from the Eagles. Like, he would be interesting at corner. They certainly could throw some money at him. Pierre Desir is another kind of best. No, of he's that. just got signed. Oh, he did he? Yeah, oh, Colts, okay. Colts re-signed him, three-year deal. That's a sneaky signing by the Colts. So then we got to move down. You got you got guys like Darquez Denard and Jason Barrett you know, who could be interesting. Um, you mentioned a couple more. I think they need to get at least you know someone to hold the fort at corner. I mean, I think the problem is – you know, that Tremaine Johnson contract is just dog shit. And so it's just, it's so bad that like, it just basically makes you say, well, we'll just, we'll just bide our time until we can figure it out a year or two from now when, when we actually get rid of Tremaine. Um, unless he just has a huge bounce back year, which I, I can't. Uh, well, remember. I mean, he, his best year was with Greg Williams, uh, with the Rams. No, no, so like, it's a good I, point. It's a good I, point. I, so I hope. Again, and cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, so you've got that. And then, like, in terms of 
uh, lineman. I think Daryl Williams was injured pretty badly for the Panthers last year, but it could be like a Kelvin Beecham type situation. I mean, he, I think if he was healthy going into free agency, he probably would have been the top right tackle. And so here's what I would say. If, if you could sign a guy like Daryl Williams from, from the Panthers, um, bring him in, you find a way to make a contract that's incentive laden um, and kind of gives you a couple of years with him. And then when he's ready to play, you figure out what to do with Brandon Shell. Like Brandon Shell's fine, but he's not, he's not a Daryl Williams level player when healthy. So, so I, I, that would be my thought is go after a player like him. Um, I know Nick Easton is currently available. Um, he, where did he play the Vikings? Yeah, he played with the Vikings last year. Uh, but he, he had some, uh, some injuries, I think early in camp. So, so the big questions are going to be, you know, what's going to happen from here. And I think those have to be the three errors that they focus on um, in the lead up to the draft. And then you use the draft to address the other ones. Um, one thing you didn't mention, Josh, and then we probably got to get out of here. Goodness um, is Quinn Williams and Joey Bosa and those guys, you know, whoever falls to them at three, like we, we cannot underestimate Dave Gettleman's idiocy and so the hope here is he doesn't trade for josh rosen and he wants to trade up to get dwayne haskins so if if those two things happen um then the jets are really in a in a nice spot on draft night Um, but obviously like you can't plan for that to happen so obviously they do have to fill these positions um you know in between the now and then so so anyway um any last thoughts Words of wisdom before we we sign off and say goodbye to our friends until kind of approaching the draft, gentlemen. I'm I'm still pissed that uh, the D Ford trade happened. I looked at that and I was like, man, we couldn't have yeah. we couldn't have done that. Yeah, for a second, for a second uh, round next year after they franchised him. Gosh, that seems light. Like the one yeah. thing I will say about like D Ford's brand really got hurt like the way that the um the afc championship game ended like his brand is is at an is at the bottom right now like because it was two things it was the boneheadedness of the play then followed up by like i i was trying to find it last night and i couldn't find the interview the interview was so bad like okay remind me what was it about the interview i just remember watching the interview and being like i want no part of this guy like what was it about that interview can you remind me I just remember being bizarre and lots of excuses and bizarre excuses. Uh, yeah. I, I just remember looking at it going, wait, what? What? Yeah. I mean, I think my thought was, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just thought like, did he, like, did he have a head injury during the game? Cause like, it just, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel right. And so like, so the problem is right. He's, he's, his kind of his brand right now is, is damaged. Um, and so for a, a 2022nd, I would happily have paid that um, to bring a guy like that on. But certainly it was a bizarre end of the season for him, um, unfortunately for him. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I agree. That would that would have been a nice move. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, o- other thoughts? Josh, you got anything? Just, just my last thought here, you know, just st- store this offseason away, Jets fans, for when – Jamal's contract comes up because they are going to be, I mean, if we've seen anything out of the safety market this year, um, even guys, Earl Thomas has been in the league for a number of years, still getting four years, 55 million means Jamal is going to break the bank. And so just be ready um, in two years when we're not going to have the hundred million dollar cap space 
available. Um, but cap space for cap space's sake is stupid. We want players. And so if these guys pan out, this could be a nice little run-up we're on for the next four to five years um, leading into Sam Darnold needing to get a quarterback deal that totally changes the franchise anyway. So um, ultimately, I feel really good. Um, optimistic about some of the you know smaller signings they might make as, as some stop gaps and some of these things. And then now uh, we're on to the draft. Yeah. I think the one thing to say, right, is there's just less guys like in 2008, 2009, 2010, that whole run where it was like, how are we going to pay Brick and Mangold and um, David Harris? And I can't remember, I guess it would have been Revis too. Like all those yeah. guys were kind of in that knot and there just wasn't enough cap space for everyone. Um like the difference was like we had like really young prospects who were kind of their contracts were, were, you know, queuing up to get paid and they all came due at the same time. Like, I don't think while we've had some good players and I love Sam Darnold and that sort of thing, right? Like we just haven't had this glut of players other than Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold right now that you're like, Oh man, we're really going to get hit. Um, so there's not this Gordian knot that we have to figure out. So um, so yeah, I think the good news is, yeah, we're, it's, it's going to be more, how do we, you know, are the guys that we just paid still worth what we're paying them when it comes time to give Jamal Adams a $30 million year contract <laughs> or whatever it's going to be by then. Oh my God. Oh Lord. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well guys, as always, thank you. Um, Travis, I'm glad you're, you're back safe from, from the wilds of, uh, of Northern Louisiana and, Getting ready to leave for Atlanta here in a couple of days. Oh, nice. Oh, the food festival. Oh, my gosh. No, not yet. Uh, Netflix series-ish, uh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, for, for another time. Okay. That's oh, my. All right. We're going to have to have some off-camera off conversations. All right. Also, everybody quit dogging Marcus May. That's my dude. Agreed. I love Marcus. Agreed. He's the man. He's the man. Just All remember right. how great he is when he is not hurt. <laughs> All right. Marcus May into Atlanta and beyond. Thanks, fellas.